Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Dairy Sports Podcast. I am your co-host, Sam Daring. With me, as always, is my co-host, Christian John. And with us today is a very special guest, a CBS MLB reporter, Danny Vietti. Danny, how's it going, man? Doing well, guys. It's uh, Major League Baseball postseason. Best time of the year, if you ask me. Yeah, for sure, man. And what I want to do today is kind of get career advice, especially you know, someone like myself who is an aspiring sports analyst, wants to go into the sports field to kind of learn about your story um, and how you got to be where you are today. So you're, you're a CBS reporter or a CBS MLB writer. And what I read was you were a social producer. So was that like social media and you kind of worked your way up higher into, you know, ML, into MLB writing? Sure. In a nutshell, basically, I dip into both pools. So I produce primarily for our social media channels, and then I also am on the editorial side of things for writing. So um, I've been kind of inching my way more towards the editorial part of it, but my day-to-day duties is mostly with the social media group. And then I also work with my our editor, um, Igor Mello, who's in charge of our Major League Baseball, also our soccer content for whatever kind of angles that I come up with, he comes up with. Um, If baseball is really trending and, you know, especially now, right now with the playoffs going on and, um, you know, we could use some more content and we have some more ideas kind of flowing, I kind of can um, dip a little bit further into the editorial department. So it kind of depends by by day, but um, that's the good thing about this company is they really allow you to go where you want to go. And um, I'm extremely thankful for where I'm at. Yeah, that's awesome. It kind of seems like you get to write about your passion, too, because you being a collegiate athlete, and that's kind of the first question I wanted to ask is, you know, what made you decide you wanted to go into sports and, you know, what, why baseball? And my guess kind of being was that was you were a collegiate athlete, so I feel like that kind of played a factor in that decision. Yeah, just a little bit. It's just kind of uh... – kind of became my home as cliche as that sounds you know I grew up with three older brothers they all played three sports baseball basketball football I played two basketball baseball and I just you know just like anybody else just kind of fell in love with the game the more I got more enriched in it the more I loved it in high school I kind of had opportunities to go to different places to play um, I ended up going to San Diego State transferring to University of San Francisco and then finally ending my um, collegiate career uh, at William Jessup University. And we had a lot of success there. And it's to give you an idea of like how baseball really came, not just a joy of mine, but um, really a love. It, last year when I was at William Jessup, we got a new coach, Jake McKinley. Um, I'll try and keep this story short for you guys. But new coach, Jake McKinley, uh, who's now the pitching coordinator for the Milwaukee Brewers. He really came in and changed our entire program, really got us all to buy in. We all got along. We we're really a family, and we still are family. I and mean, we still talk um, constantly to each other, even though it's years down the road. So um, it was really that last year in college for me that really it assured me. I knew I wanted to go down that direction to, to be a media member for baseball, uh, particularly. That last year, I knew 
Uh, it really reassured me that that's the route that I wanted to go down. And luckily for me, uh, if you're not familiar with where William Chesap is exactly geographically, it's very close. It's about 30 minutes away to Max Preps. Um, and Max Preps is the high school leader in sports. Max Preps is actually owned by CBS Sports. So I was able to work a part-time job with Max Preps while also uh, get, get my degree in school and play baseball. So I was able to have a part-time job with Max Preps and work under that CBS Sports bubble. And then once I was done playing, I kind of worked myself up from being social media editor with Max Preps, got a job with social media producer with CBS Sports. And now here I am kind of dipping into both pools. So is there, was there a particular moment when you were younger that made you go with baseball over basketball? Was there like one standalone moment kind of? Uh, I mean, if we're just talking about playing wise, because I think that's kind of where I found my love for the game. It's just the pure game of it. Um, I loved basketball in the sense that I loved the games. Um, but I couldn't stand the practices. Um, I, I had some really good coaches, but there was a lot of running involved. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of work, different stuff that goes on with basketball. Um, there, there's just different teachings. I really have come to appreciate everything that goes in between the lines and outside the lines with baseball, because basketball at the end of the day, you have your plays and, and there's, you know, it's basketball, but with baseball, there's just so much more that goes into it, especially nowadays with analytics um, all the numbers, just everything that goes into baseball, there's so much thinking. It's obviously such a mental game that I don't think I had a specific moment where I came to the realization I really wanted to go down the baseball route instead of basketball. Part of it was opportunity too. Um, and, and another part of it was just being a collegiate athlete and having more experience, having more of an expertise in that sport. It just kind of led me down that road. And um, like I said, my love for the game kind of started that direction for me and then the more I got enriched into the sport and the further down the road I got in my career it just kind of opened more lanes for me. Yeah that's awesome and I'm really glad you brought up Max Preps because I saw one of the first things I saw was so awesome you were able to interview Charles Woodson. How were you able to do that? That's that's so cool. That yeah that was a big time moment for me too because I grew up a Raider fan. I grew up in Northern California so Charles Woodson was one of my, and I see you had the Packers logo or Packers helmet on your uh, Zoom call. So I'm sure you are too. Um, that was pretty cool. So there's a celebrity golf tournament um, out in Lake Tahoe, which is about two hours east of Sacramento, which is where Max Preps is. And so typically a couple of the Max Preps members goes out to that celebrity golf tournament every year and they get some interviews. They get guys like Alex Smith. Um, we got a hold of Jared Goff a couple of years ago. Um, basically, whoever we think can kind of give us some content who has uh, an angle or can speak to the voice of the high school athlete. Um, I remember talking, I got to talk with um, Kyle Lowry, who ended up winning the championship with the Raptors the year after that. Um, a handful of guys. And uh, that was a really cool experience for me. I think my favorite guy to talk to, as great as Charles Woodson is, um, and I mean, he's pro football hall of famer, if not, uh, he's going to be at least, um, my favorite was Johnny Damon, just cause my love of baseball. Um, and I know Johnny Damon was probably wasn't half the player Charles Woodson was, um, when you're comparing those two sports, but for me, it was Johnny Damon. Cause I got to ask him what he thought about the launch angle and these new strategies. Uh, that was interesting to me. Cause I always like seeing how the, I don't want to say old timers. Cause it's not like Johnny Damon's an old timer. 
but I like seeing how the older athletes, uh, athletes from an older generation view the new sport and how it's coming to be. So Charles Wilson was great. I think he understood at first, he kind of had to earn his respect at first because there's a, at that golf tournament, there's a lot of people, there's a lot of media members around um, and they're stopping these celebrities every which way. And so at first I asked him a couple of questions and he said, yeah, go ahead and walk with me. And then I actually got into his history. I started mentioning stuff like he was the, um, I forget what state he's from, either Michigan. Um, at the time I knew where he went to high school and played his high school ball. And I asked him about how he was the state player of the year that year. I named off a couple of his stats and immediately something clipped, clicked with Charles. And he kind of learned like, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. I'm going to give him the time of day and I'm going to answer a couple of questions with him. He actually ended up giving me a really great interview. So that was kind of something I learned is going into an interview. You got to gain a respect of the interviewee if you want to actually get some transparency. And actually, I can kind of go out of order here too, because this will flow really well, is how, like, do you have any sort of strategies that you use to kind of gain those, gain that trust within the players the, or the coaches or those professional analysts that you interview? So I think it depends on the player. It depends on the situation. Um, personally, for me, I think it's just being a dude, being a person, um, being just a, a person that understands the situation. Being, a, my coach always said, just be a guy. Just have common sense and know how to work with people. So uh, there's a time and place for everything. There's a time and place for every question. For a celebrity golf tournament, everything's on the table, really. It's, it's a really fun event. There's, um, you know, there, it's not exactly high in competition. If you lose, oh, well, it's more for charity, right? After a game, for example, uh, the perfect example, I didn't want to bring it up, but the perfect example is a couple of days ago, Walker Bueller was asked about his pants trending on Twitter after it just lost game one of the NLCS. It's probably not the time or place to do it. So for me, going into an interview, um, knowing your stuff, doing your research, that's going to take the most time because when you do your interview, it's going to go by like that. It's going to be an absolute flash. And for me, I'm still young. I'm still learning a lot. Um, and I'm sure for the more bigger experts and the ones that have been here for a long time, they're able to slow the game down. And by the game, I mean the interview and whatever they're doing, they're able to slow it down. Um, but it goes by fast. And if you don't do your research and don't have an expertise on your interviewee, um, it's going to show. And I think that's how you gain the respect of your interviewee is just knowing, having the confidence to ask certain questions while also, also understanding the context in which you're asking and understanding that there's a time and place for every question. Do you think you've ever asked a question that at the time wasn't the best question to ask? Oh, I'm sure. Um, I, I've never been called out for it, at least to this point in my career. Like I said, I'm still young, so I'm still learning. Um, and I, I really haven't been put into a position yet to where um, I haven't, you know, I haven't covered a World Series. I haven't covered an NLCS, an ALCS. So for me, uh, I'm still working my way up the ranks and, and hopefully I will get to that point. But um, I haven't been called out on it yet. I'm sure I've asked a stupid question here or there, but I try and take pride in the questions I do ask and I try and take pride in, um, in knowing when to ask questions and what and, and understanding who my interviewee is. So we can't go through this entire interview without 
um, talking about you running around Sacramento with a diaper after Fernando Tatis hit that grand slam against the Rangers. And you tweeted out, if Tatis hits a grand slam, I'll run around the Capitol um, in a diaper. And I think someone, I think they were even interviewing uh, Tatis or another player. They were saying, hey, you know, a CBS analyst was saying, um, if you hit a grand slam, he's going to run around. He's going to run around the Capitol on the diaper. You want to, like, walk us through that? <laughs> yeah, everybody keeps bringing this up and makes me relive <laughs> this horrific moment in my life. No, it was fun. Uh, it was a good experience. So, for me, um, I was visiting my parents. They live about five, ten minutes away from the Capitol building in Sacramento, California. And the Padres had just did, was it four straight? Or no, three straight Grand Slams. I can't even keep track anymore. The three straight Grand Slams, and I'm thinking – there's no way they're going to hit another one. The previous team to hit three uh, Grand Slam in three straight games was the Cleveland Spiders in like the 1920s. No team, it's, baseball's been playing for over a century and a half. No team has ever hit a Grand Slam in three straight games. I'm thinking there's no way this could ever happen. So I just kind of threw it out on Twitter and San Diego Padres fans can be a bit relentless at times. Um, and so they clung on to it. And sure enough, it was Eric Hosmer that hit the slam. And I couldn't believe it. My first reaction was just complete disbelief. I had my phone in my hand and I literally dropped my phone onto the couch just because I was in complete disbelief. Um, after that, like I, like I was talking about earlier, things kind of go by fast. I wasn't really able to slow things down. Um, that night is kind of a blur to me now just because it happened so quickly. I was actually on shift time. So I made sure I had to finish my shift. And then I went down and did the run. And there was a lot of people that reached out to me that wanted to join me, which was awesome. Um, but because of COVID protocols, COVID restrictions, I kind of thought it was best for everyone to kind of stay home and watch on uh, the, uh, the live stream I had going. So again, long story short, I really never thought it would, it would work. I, can't, I still to this day can't believe they hit four straight Grand Slam. Uh, they asked Hosmer after the game, and he said he wanted pictures. I provided the pictures. San Diego fans got a rise out of it. Um, it was a fun year. I had a, I got the opportunity to have a relationship with some of those San Diego fans. They're awesome. And then in terms of like advice um, for contacting sources, I guess for like a young, young college students are kind of just getting their foot in the door. How do you usually go about you know, contacting those sources. I know you mentioned you told your story about talking to, um, you know, Charles Woodson, or how, how do you go about meeting these players? Yeah, that's the golden question, right? And I'm still asking these questions myself. Um, for me, a lot of the sources that I know are in the minor league ranks. Um, they're coaches, players, and some of those players could end up being major leaguers one day. So for me, I try and reach out to them and try and build a relationship, may it be through Twitter, um, may it be just through, uh, maybe we share a certain hometown. Um, and I, I kind of reach out to them and I say, hey, you know, I'm a writer for CBS Sports. Um, you know, I noticed, I noticed this, I noticed that. What do you think about doing this, doing that? Um, just showing an interest in their lives and understanding what they're going through. I think this last year was a perfect example. A lot of these minor leaguers, all these minor leaguers didn't have a minor league baseball season. They were struggling financially. Reaching out to a lot of these different players, trying to understand what they were going through, I thought was huge. Um, and not just for building a relationship, but for me, understanding what they were going through. And so for building sources and, and building relationships with these players, um, 
I was able to reach out to them and say, hey, what's going on with you? How can I help? And I think they really appreciated that as I would. Um, just having a reporter that knows what they're going through, I think is crucial. Just because a lot of the media members sometimes can, and I'm not saying there's bad media or anything. I'm just saying sometimes we get caught in our own ways and we, got, uh, we get caught in this tunnel vision and we kind of forget about some of the minor leaguers or we forget about some of the young players that maybe don't get the attention they deserve. Uh, but I thought this last year was the perfect example of how you can build sources with minor leaguers um, because one day they could end up being the stars of the league. Um, as far as when we're talking about building sources with general managers or front office members, I asked the same question probably a year ago to my colleague, RJ Anderson, another writer for CBS Sports, because he had broken the news. Actually, it was more recent. It was when he broke the news that they were considering doing a three-city bubble for the entire Major League season. It was before summer camp when I asked this question. And Major League Baseball was considering doing a three-city bubble, Florida, Texas, and California. And I asked him, I said, where did you get this lowdown information? And he said it was really just being within a circle of people that he knew and had met over time. He happened to be in a group text. Somebody mentioned it. The people in the group text were full of, um, uh, there were a bunch of media members. There might have been some, um, you know, low-level front office people. Um, definitely no general managers or even assistant general managers. But some people were involved within certain teams in some capacity. And he told me, I just, and by I, I mean him, I just happened to be in that group text. Um, I saw someone mention something about a bubble, a three-city bubble, and that's basically how I got the blow down with it. So um, basically the teaching there for me was, he basically told me that the, the Jeff Passens, the uh, Rosenthal's, um, the, you know, Bob Nightingale, the guys that are really breaking the big time trades and they're immediate, they're first to everything. They have built relationships with general managers over, I mean, these aren't young guys. These guys, I mean, Jeff Passan, Ken Rosenthal, this is years of work. So these guys are 40, 50 years old. Uh, I think Passan's might be actually a little younger, but they have built relationships over decades long. Um, so it takes a lot of time and eventually just kind of work yourself up the system. One day you meet the, um, some person who works in, in the front office and again in some capacity the next day you meet his buddy who might be the assistant to the assistant of the general manager next day you meet the assistant next day you meet the general manager you build a relationship that way it takes a lot of time I say next day I should really be saying next year because maybe you meet them at an event and they just come to like you you form a relationship with them over time um, there's not really any one strategy to build sources I don't think um, I will say showing an interest in who they are as people, not as just athletes or not as just employees or not as just general managers, whoever they are. I think that's crucial in, in just understanding who they are and for them respecting you. Yeah, and I, I think we all want to be seen as people first, right? Not something, not this like amazing just athlete or just a jersey, but we want to be seen for who we are as a person first. Yeah, exactly. And you're not alone in saying that. That's that's basically everyone. I mean, that's a lot of what the players were preaching too, especially this last summer when, especially the minor league players, because there were some front offices that were debating whether the minor league players should be paid, uh, which is ridiculous that they were even debating that. It should have been an absolute given because, and the minor league players were mad because they weren't being thought of as people. They were being thought of as subjects. They were being thought of as, 
uh, lab rats in, in, in a sense. And so that's why a lot of them were upset because they weren't being sought or looked at upon as people. So I think that's huge if you're trying to build relationships, not just within baseball or anything, um, just with people in general, with anyone. Look at them as people, just try to understand that everybody comes from different backgrounds, everybody has different cultures, um, you know, step into their shoes and try and look at it from a different perspective. And there's, there's an athletic reporter um, for the Boxer Wisconsin. His name is Eric Name, and we, we had a guest speaker um, for one of my school journalism clubs, I'm the president, and he said Eric Name joined around the same time Giannis was drafted. And like he built that relationship with him up until today because he was saying that he's one of the, those analysts that Giannis is the most comfortable like answering those questions from. Yeah, that's a great example too. I think it's important. And again, I'm not trying to make these guys like subjects because I don't want to, uh, again, that was kind of what I was preaching. I, don't, I want everyone to think of these, everyone as people, not subjects. But taking advantage and trying to build relationships at an early stage, I think is really important, as I mentioned earlier, because to your point, just knowing Giannis before he got that fame is important. Um, Brian Windhorst, a really great example too. He covered LeBron James when he was in high school. Um, and then all of a sudden he kind of became um, this big time reporter for ESPN. And now he's still doing, he's on the jump. He's on everything now. He's, he's a big deal. What if LeBron James didn't ever work out? I don't know where Brian Windhorst would be. It, sometimes it's opportunity. And I'm not, that's not to say that Brian Windhorst isn't a great reporter. He does a really good job. But it's just kind of an example of sometimes you get lucky with certain players. Some players work out, some players don't. Um, all you can do is try and build relationships with them and try and help them in any way. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, later down the road, they become stars and then you can kind of get exclusives from them and you build, because you built that relationship with them before they made it big, they might be more willing to sit down with you and be a little bit more transparent, maybe in, in, in an interview or maybe in, in any fashion. And you being a journalist and you know, me being an aspiring one and Christian has written multiple for the Brewers. We've had articles make Bleacher Report. And the big thing of dealing with the media is criticism. And a lot of analysts, you know, deal with that on Twitter. And like, that's kind of the, one of the big questions I wanted to ask you today is what is the best way you handle criticism? That's one of the toughest part it really is. Um, let me describe it like this. So, and, and let me give you an, an example. So for example, Andrew Baggerly, great reporter for the uh, San Jose Mercury News. Um, he shared a photo of Pablo Sandoval during summer camp and he came in looking overweight. How do you go about that as a reporter? Because you, on the one hand, you have a job and you have a job to report whether these players are looking good whether they're looking in shape, whether because on one end of the spectrum, if one guy looks like, if, if he's looking absolutely jacked, you're gonna write a story about it. You're gonna say, look, um, Brandon Crawford looks good. Brandon Crawford is looking jacked. He got in the weight room um, all throughout quarantine and he's been lifting weights. He looks fantastic. So on the other end of the spectrum, you have a duty to share whether players don't look great. And unfortunately, that risks the relationship and it puts the relationship that you have with those certain players, it puts it in jeopardy. 
And I think there's a certain way to go about it. Every situation is different. But in this example with Pablo Sandoval, Andrew Baggerly shared a photo. What did he, what did he, did he do it in the right manner? Probably not. If I would have gone about it in my way, and look, Andrew Baggerly has more expertise on this than I do. He's been doing this a whole lot longer than I have. But if it were me, I probably would have shared the photo, uh, maybe in a story and said, and maybe linked to that article saying Pablo Sandoval um, comes into this, comes into summer camp looking overweight. And maybe you can link to that article. But social media really changed things so much now that you put anything on social media, people can really latch onto it. So I think you just kind of have to pick and choose what times you use social media and what times you use your own the site that you're writing for or whatever company you work for, because as soon as you put it out on social media, there's no going back. If you put it out on an article on your own website, you have some room for error, at least a little bit. And so if you're going to call someone out for maybe being overweight or maybe not just showing up to camp, um, just understand that you're going to risk the relationship that you've built with that certain player over time. And just understand that, especially when you put it out on social media, it could blow up in, a, in, a, in an instant. And in terms of building your resume, especially during these times, because there's multiple internships that are canceled, I'm using this time to do, you know, like a lot of freelance work, writing, podcasting. And the, and the purpose of this brand, Dairy Sports, is to like gain, help those aspiring sports professionals gain that exposure. So, I mean, these two questions could got, kind of go hand in hand with each other. Um, what advice do you have for looking for jobs in sports and, you know, maybe people that aren't? seniors are like about to graduate, um, building their resume during a pandemic when all these internships are canceled? Yeah, that's a great question. I wish I had a better answer for you now because of what COVID has done. Um, I can't tell you how many people have reached out to me since COVID and it, it truly breaks my heart because I've had some really good journalists to reach out to me and say, hey, COVID kind of ruined me a little bit. I, I got laid off or whatever the case may be. They reached out to me and saying, hey, what kind of jobs are available at CBS? Unfortunately, it's been slim pickings just because, especially when sports weren't going on, uh, there really was a complete pause and hiatus when it came to hiring. And it broke my heart to tell them, you know, I'm really sorry there's nothing going on right now. We don't have any openings. However, Going through right now, we actually are, you know, sports are back up, NFL's back, MLB's back, NBA um, just finished up. So it's getting back up into the speed of things. So I can't really speak to the, to, I can't give you a perfect answer to say what the right way to go about employment is right now, just because COVID has really made things jagged. If I were to give you any kind of advice, I would say keep doing what you guys are doing by reaching out to people. And like I, I, we talked about earlier, building relationships. Um, don't be afraid to slide in those DMs. Don't be afraid to just say, hey, my name is this, my name is that. Um, this is where I've been. This is where I go to school. This is what I want to do. Because later down the road, a job might open up and they might remember your name and they might remember, hey, that kid reached out to me a couple of years ago. I remember him. Um, you know, you can put a name to a face kind of. So my personal invite, there's a lot of really good people within this business. There's some not great, but there's a, most of the people in this business are great. Um, and they're going to be willing to help you out in any way. 
really. I mean, as long as you reach out to them and you're a respectable person and they realize that you're for real, they're going to help you. So my piece of advice would just be reach out and build relationships and just don't be afraid um, to send them, just send them, hey, send them, hey, do you have any job openings? Because a lot of people, and I've been there too, a lot of people are discouraged from asking, um, do you have any jobs available? I, I'm willing to do anything because, um, you know, it, it almost sounds bad. It almost sounds like, well, I don't have a job. I don't want to ask. I don't want to tell other people, especially the places I want to work. I don't want to tell them I don't have a job. Just know a lot of us in this business have been exactly where you were. May it be whether you're a college student, whether you're unemployed, we've all been through the ups and downs. And so just don't be discouraged. Don't be dis uh, again, discouraged if by reaching out and, and seeing what opportunities are out there and trying to build those relationships because majority of the people in this business will get back to you and they're going to help you in, in whatever way they can. And I always hear from everyone too, is like the, the worst thing they're going to say is no, because I've reached out to, I've reached out to multiple people. I've reached out to agencies for like player interviews. And, and I'm really thankful that um, I mean, we've wanted to get guests on to get career advice. And we're thankful that to have you as like the first one to get that advice for, from, for our careers. Um, so I appreciate that. Um, actually, I kind of want to put this along um, in terms of like the obstacles that you've kind of went through. And since sports were kind of on hold, we were all in quarantine, did, and you didn't have like a ton to write because baseball got like got shut down. Did that kind of give you more of like a different way of thinking of like a different perspective of what to write about and think of those story ideas? 1000%. I think it really, I don't want to say, I'll say this. It, there was, if you're going to take any kind of sliver of, of light from COVID because as horrible as these last few months have been for everyone universally wide, I think it's really challenged media members and particularly sports media members to find something within themselves that they hadn't found before. So for me, I was digging for article ideas, social media especially too, because there was nothing going on with sports. How are we going to be able to entertain and connect with the social media audience when nothing is going on? So we had to look ourselves in the mirror and find ways to entertain, ways to uh, do whatever is possible to try and you know get our business to run as it normally would otherwise. So I think, I, again, I'm not going to say COVID was a good thing because we've lost way too many lives to say that. But I will say that it, from a media perspective, it has helped us tap into a piece of creativity that maybe otherwise we never would have tapped into just because when the rubber meets the road, you are going to have to find something um, or else, or else it's not going to work and uh, your business could really fail from it. And what would you say is, if there's anything that you have learned now that you wish you would have learned in like, previous jobs or previous internships, anything you learn now that you, know, you, you wish you would have learned um, earlier on in your career? That's a good one. That's a good question. Um, I, I think my advice earlier was something I wish I would have just had the confidence to do. I wish I would have had the confidence when I was maybe in college or earlier 
to just reach out to people and not be afraid to shake their hand and tell them who you are. Uh, because I wasn't the type to be scared from reaching out to people or anything, but I definitely wasn't the first person to go up and say, hey, this is me, this is who I'm about. I was kind of in the middle. So I just think it's really important to build those relationships and uh, just understand too that there's, I wish somebody would have told me to have more patience too, because it takes a long time to make it in this business. It really does. And it, you're, you know, the definition of, of making it, it's very subjective. Everybody has their own definition of it. But I look around now and when I was a kid, I thought, you know, I'm going to become a big time, um, big time writer, or a big time media member by the time I'm 25. But I didn't realize at that age is it takes time to earn respect, to build sources. Um, to, it just takes time. You have to have patience and opportunity is huge too, because there's no telling when your opportunity is going to come. Luckily for me, I ended up getting an opportunity with Max Preps when I was 19 and it led me to where I was. Um, I'm very fortunate for that. There's a lot of great writers out there that are still waiting for their opportunity. And unfortunately, it, within this business, you just kind of have to wait. Um, you know, I've been trying to dip into the writing pool more and more lately, as I mentioned earlier. Um, right now, we have great writers on staff for CBS Sports, and there's just not as many opportunities right there. Um, so unfortunately, you know, for me, from my perspective, I just have to keep waiting, keep pushing, keep communicating with my editor for whenever those opportunities arise. Um, so I think just being patient while also being confident enough to reach out to people and, um, you know, trying to uh, push the envelope while at the same time understanding that it just takes time to make it. And my last question was you being a collegiate athlete, did that kind of help you to see, you know, both perspectives when you're conducting interviews in terms of like, like what, what to ask an athlete and what not to ask an athlete? So I personally think that's what I bring to the table is I'm not the, uh, I hate to put these stereotypes on media members, but I'm not the, the statistical nerd that, you know, maybe not play, didn't play a sport, um, didn't, just doesn't understand as much the player's perspective, but I'm all, you know, I'm not that, that super nerdy analytic guy, but at the same time, I'm also, I, I can be very analytical and I am kind of a nerd when it comes to sports. Um, but I also have a play, you know, I have a player's perspective, but at the same time, I've never played at the major league level. So I had the, res I think I gained a little bit of respect because I'm, I've been known to be for the player um, as opposed to for the owners or for anybody else. I'm really for the player because I think I've been at least to a point where they were once a lot of these athletes. I played college ball and I've, I've been through the recruiting process and I've been through transferring and uh, all that hubbub. So I think I have a perspective while also I have this nerdy other side of me that um, I, I think can dip into the numbers a little bit. So I think that's kind of what I try or how I try to be unique is seeing both sides of that because I think it's important. You know, you see a lot of nowadays, really any analyst you see on TV is a former player. And I think that's really important. But at the same time, I think it's good to have another perspective of seeing it from the outside in. And I'm seeing a lot of these um, – these stat whizzes like Sarah Langs, um, you know, even like even the older guys like Kirchin, Buster Olney, I think they give a perspective that some of the players might understand. I think it's important to have an outside in perspective while also having an inside out perspective. And when you can find those, I think you can kind of create a unique 
way of looking at the game of baseball. That's what I'm trying to provide. And I think being able to see both sides is such a unique trait too. Like even you being a player, I think that could potentially be something if not already is something that kind of sets you apart from other writers who maybe not necessarily were athletes. And like, I think you were a collegiate athlete and I think like, I think that could be a trait, like even in the long run that will be really beneficial when you start um, cause that you, you even said you're like early in your career and you've accomplished so much when you start talking to those like other big name players, it will even help build your confidence as well. Without a doubt. And I, I, I humbly say this too. I think a lot of the players that I talk to when they kind of realize I'm not just some guy sitting behind a computer, I think that helps. I think it helps level us because it at least kind of tells them, you know, maybe they played in college too. Maybe they were a pitcher, like, like, or maybe they are a pitcher, like, like I used to be. It just creates that even, yeah, that field, that level that you guys can both relate. Um, and so I think to your point, it, it just kind of gives you a um, kind of a um, speedway through into creating that relationship. It kind of gives you a little bit of a head start. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's all I have. Christian, do you have anything else to add? No, I'm just really excited to keep, you know, reading all your stuff for sure, especially with considering the fact that not only are you a player, but you also understand the analytics. That isn't something I believe we see a lot from like mainstream things like ESPN, just because like you said, I mean, they're all older former players who don't fully buy into the analytics in my opinion yet. So It'll be really nice to see something like that, which will be new and refreshing. I really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Yeah, and we, we really appreciate your time. And I, I, this, this, this was such a beneficial and insightful episode. And I re we really appreciate you taking the time to come out here today, Danny. Yeah, of course. I know uh, it's always hard explaining my own background and then trying to translate that into advice. But you know, hopefully at least you guys can, or somebody listening to this podcast can take away a couple points there and hopefully it can help someone along the way. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, of course.